Good morning. Good morning and happy Sabbath. I heard a few say happy Sabbath back. Welcome. Welcome to Spring Meadows Seventh-day Adventist Church. Welcome those of you who are here in person. I love to see you, so I'm delighted when you come. And for those who are watching online, I'm sad that I don't see you. I hope you will join us again sometime uh, whenever is best and safe for your family. This morning, I have many things to share with you. The first of which is that next Sabbath, we are starting another adult Sabbath school option. This adult Sabbath school option will take place here inside, I believe right up front in the sanctuary. And it is for anyone who is wanting to study the 28 fundamental beliefs of the Seventh-day Adventist Church. For some, it may be a great refresher course. For some, it might be the first time that you study this. If you are new to the Seventh-day Adventist faith, we invite you especially to this study. Again, this is our study um, starting next Sabbath during our Sabbath school hour here in the sanctuary. A few other announcements. We know that we have uh, Sabbath schools, but I wanted to share with you some information about the Parent Sabbath School. The Parent Sabbath School is actually studying the book, Praying the Scriptures for Your Children. If you have not joined that class, you might consider, if you have children, this would be a great source um, and refreshment, and it could be really encouraging if you... Uh, are not attending a Sabbath school yet. Also want to announce that two weeks from today, at one o'clock, we are going to have our first uh, rehearsal for our Christmas program, our children's Christmas program. The point of that rehearsal, which is going to be, again, two weeks from today, from one to two in the fellowship hall, the point of that rehearsal is to see which children are interested, which kids, which families are interested in participating. It is such an exciting program. As I've been reading and preparing um, and working with the team, we are so excited about our Rockin' Royal Christmas program. So kids, if you want to participate, we want you to come. If you can't be there, just reach out to me, parents, and I'll, I'll put your name down on the list. Tomorrow at 10 a.m. at the Landers Party Barn. I love that they call their barn the party barn because there's so many wonderful things have happened in this barn. Tomorrow at 10 a.m., we are celebrating Ben and Haley who are going to be getting married. So if you know the Musselmans or if you don't, but you know how important a healthy marriage is, please come and support them as we have a wedding shower for Ben Musselman and Haley uh, tomorrow at 10 a.m. at the Landers uh, Party Barn. Tonight is a very exciting thing. She's ready to go. She's ready. Yes, tonight is a very exciting thing. We have our Pathfinder and our Adventurers Clubs starting registration. And it's a movie night as well. So you don't want to miss being able to get your kids involved in Pathfinders or Adventures. But we also have a ministry fair. What is a ministry fair? I'm glad you asked. 
<laughs> ministry fair is where we can see all the ways in which we can be involved in our local church family. I think I've shared this with the parents in the past, but I want you to know that there was a study done many years ago. Actually, it was 2010. A study was done to ask Christians. It was a 1,000 Christian men and women. Why do you still go to church? And 87% of them answered, because my parents were involved. And so, families, if you want your kids, if you want to continue the legacy of involvement, of engagement, of connection at church, you don't want to miss our ministry fair this evening at 7.30. And if you cannot come, then just reach out to one of us pastors. We will try to help you get connected. So yes, Pathfinders, Adventures, and Ministry Fair, all of this happening tonight here in our church at 7.30. The last announcement I have is for Thursday evenings. If you've been wondering, how can my walk with Jesus grow? Then this could be the answer for you. Thursday evenings at 7 p.m. in the Fellowship Hall, we are starting a growth group. Pastor B is leading our group, and he's leading us through the book, through a book. If you've wondered, what does being a disciple of Jesus really look like? How can I really grow my faith journey? Come Thursday nights in our fellowship hall at 7 p.m. Church family, at this time, I invite you to pray with me. Gracious Father, thank you for Sabbath. You knew we would need this day, that we would need to come apart from our busyness, hectic, messy world, and that we would need to come to a place where we could humbly come before you, lift our voices in song, and be transformed by your presence. May we this morning, as we open our hearts and our minds to you, Father, may we be transported to your heavenly throne in grace and mercy. We love you, Lord. Come by here now that we will see you and know you. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Good morning, church family. It's awesome to be here this morning, and not only just to see all your lovely faces, but we get to celebrate my husband's birthday. He told me not to say anything today. We're not going to sing happy birthday, but I just wanted to throw it out there, so we're able to do praise and worship today on his birthday. And this is so different from last year because we were at home, depressed, because we missed all of you. So this is a treat for both of us to be able to, to be with you all, but more than that, we're blessed to just be here, right, and praise the name of our amazing Heavenly Father. And as you'll hear the wonderful message that Pastor Brian has today talking about discipline and how God allows discipline, right, sometimes our consequences, to show his love towards us. And I think a lot about the Israelites. We've had a similar walk, right, where we've made our own choices. We've been headstrong about something. We think we know better. We know what's right. So God allows us to go our own way, follow our own path, right? And sometimes that path might take us a few days, a few weeks, a few months, a few years. But in that, when we're able to come back around, we can truly see the amazing and deep and awesome love of our amazing Father. And this song is talking about just that, just the, the trials that we go through 
but God brings us out. If we will just let him lead us, he will bring us through those trials. So sing with us this morning.
hasn't he brought us out? And he's still bringing us out. I know we're not through the thick of it quite yet, um, but if we can trust our amazing God, he will continue to lead us and bring us out. Right now, we know that many of you may have some special prayer requests or burdens on your heart. And so we want to go ahead and ask you to come forward as Pastor Labrador will be collecting your prayer request cards. These are prayed on every week. So please put your hearts out there. Let us know what it is you want us to pray for. And we'd love to pray for you as a church family. Sing this confession song to the Lord. Lord, I come and I confess Bowing here, I find my rest And without you, sing to the Lord I fall apart, you're the one that guides my
Good morning, church. I'm so glad to see each and every one of you here today. I'm so happy to see your smiling faces, even beyond the mask. I can see that on your eyes. When they are squinting, I can see that you're, laugh- you're smiling. So uh, I'm grateful to be here, but I, I must tell you, I feel a little lonely. You know, because the past few Sabbaths that I have come up, my children usually come with me or my nephew, and I feel pretty lonely, you know. To... Oh, oh. Wait, you guys! Uh, don't run! I tell you, don't run! No running in the in the sanctuary, okay? No, 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 we're, we're fast walking. Come on! <laughs> oh, oh, Yaling, you're really out of breath. Clearly, I need to exercise more. Oh, oh, oh Laura. Okay, well, I'm grateful that you guys came to join me today up front, uh, and as we pray for the church and uh, the needs of our church. But definitely, you need to uh, calm down a little bit because you're running out of breath. By the way, have you, have you found in the Bible any passage that talks about breath? Let me think. I got it. I got it. How about when God gave the breath of life into Adam? Whoa, that's a very good one, David. You came up with a very good one. Yes, God gave the breath of life to Adam and therefore to all humanity for us to enjoy and also to commune with him and to have connection with him through our life. And that's very good. But, you know, I have to tell you something. Unfortunately... The devil is always trying to take God, people's breath away, God's people's breath away. He's always trying to destroy that what God made. In fact, in fact, the past year and a half plus, we have been dealing with a worldwide pandemic that literally is taking people's breath away and destroying God's children by taking the breath away and destroying the creation of God. But we came here today united by the breath of God that He has given to each and every one of us to worship and praise His name. So today I'm going to invite all of you to leave your worries and your anxieties away. Just let them out. You know, there's a lot of things that take a breath away and not in a good way, you know, outside of here. And sometimes we use that term to mention when something, you know, is very uh, nice and beautiful and it says like, oh, oh, you know, that was so amazing. But this, in, in, the, in the case of the devil, is always trying to take away the breath of life that God has given his people. And this pandemic is proof of that, that is taking the breath away. But today we want to live outside of this place, our worries, our anxieties. We're going to take a break, and we're just going to praise the Lord. And we're going to grow in our connection with him and with one another. In fact, there's another passage in the Bible that speaks specifically about that. And I chose to put your prayer cards today in this passage of the Bible that speaks about praising the Lord and, and about the breath of life. Janine, would you be so kind to read it for us? It's the last verse of the book of Psalms. In Psalms 150, verse 6. It says, Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Amen. Do you have the breath of life today in your, in your, in your life? Absolutely, right? Every one of us has the breath of life because God has given it to us. So today we're going to praise the Lord. And as we come down to our knees, those who are able, 
We're going to pray before the Lord for Him to take away our anxiety, for Him to take away our worries, for, he, for Him to take away our fears and give us everything that we need to praise Him and to find the ultimate fulfillment that He wants His creation to have. So those of you who are able, I'm going to invite you to come down to our knees in prayer before the Lord. And every one of you that is not able, I'm going to invite you to adopt an attitude of worship as, before, as we come before our God in prayer. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for giving us the breath of life so that we can commune with you, so that we can commune with one another, so that we can praise you with all our hearts. Today, Lord, I want to ask you a special blessing for each and every one of us here today, Lord. Lord, you know that there's a lot of things that threatens our heart of worship because things are bugging us down or taking away our peace giving us anxiety or fears. Today, in the name of Jesus, I pray that you please take them away. And I pray, O Lord, that you please fill our hearts with peace, the peace that comes from you that surpasses all understanding. Yes, there is a pandemic out there that is taking our breath away, but you are the giver of life. You are the one that gives us breath. So we trust that you will continue to, to have grace upon your people. And our fears will, will go away, and we're not going to be dominated by fears because you are the one. You are the one that gives us certainty. And we're going to ask you, Lord, that you please embrace us with your love because your perfect love for us drives away all of our fears. Thank you, God, for listening to our prayer. Please, Lord, continue to touch every aspect of our life that need you touch today. If we came with a heavy burden today, take it away please, in the name of Jesus, so that we can praise you with all our hearts, because we have your breath, the breath of life today, and we choose to worship you, Lord. Lord, and I pray for the pastor as he brings the breath of life and the word of life to us today from you. Use him in a mighty way so that our hearts will rejoice in praise to you. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, children, it's time for you to help me with collecting our special offering. So kids, if you can come and grab a butterfly net from me and then go around and collect the special offering. This offering actually goes to help support all of our children's ministries. So thank you, kids. Just grab one and go around and thank you. And then bring it right back up for a story. Thank you. Priceless treasure God knows me, God hears me God is my comfort I am His and there's nothing better Forgiven and chosen forever
Good morning. This morning I have a, you guys, you guys should face me, I have something I'm going to show you. It's really fun. I have it right back here. And it's, you can stay right here, you can stay right here, I'll be, I'll be here. This is called an air cannon. And it has this black tube. It has an opening here. And on the back of it, it has a plastic, like a uh, plastic sheet or membrane. It has a little handle here that you can pull. And then it attaches to a rubber band in there, and it has a handle, and whenever I pull it back, it fills up with air, and when I let go, it shoots the air out, which is pretty neat. Does anyone want to feel it? Okay. Did you feel that? Do you feel that? All right. Where, uh, where, where's your dad? Can you point him out to me? Where is he? Where is he? Do you think we can get him with air? All right, let's see if we can get him. So, that's pretty neat. Let me explain to you, let me explain to you how it works. No, okay, I won't, I won't. Um, so how it works is, when I pull this back, it fills up with air, and when I let go, the bungee pulls this in and it forces air out. But the air in the middle travels faster out of the air cannon than the air at the edge because the air at the edge is, is slower. And so the faster air curls back on itself and it creates an air vortex that travels through the air. And then there's another thing called Bernoulli's principle and that just basically says that fast, faster air has less pressure than slow air, which has more pressure. So Bernoulli's principle, whenever that fast air comes out of the air vortex, it, it keeps the ring in position until friction takes away the energy and it dissipates. Now I have a question for you. I said a lot. How do you know that what I'm saying is true? What was that? I don't know. Does anyone, how do you know that what I'm saying is true? Because I've done it myself and I felt the air. Okay, sure. What if I hadn't done this? How would you, if I hadn't have done it where the air hits you, how would you know it was true? How would you know it was true? Because it would not be real if it wasn't true. Because it would not be real if it wasn't true. <laughs> well, air is an interest. I think you might be onto something. Air is an interesting thing. Like, you can't see it. Can you see air? Can you taste air? Uh, I mean, there's some things you can do with air. Uh, smell it. If it's cl clear, clean air, I don't think you can smell it. It doesn't have a smell. So I want to tr talk about something, a concept that's in the Bible, and it is called faith. Now faith, to me, whenever I try to explain it, for me it's, I believe with certainty that something will happen or someone will do something. Uh, and, for, and I've come up with, there's three ways you can get faith. One is through experience. So you can feel the air, and you know that there is air coming out of this. You can, so that's experience. I won't do it, I won't do it. 
Um, the other way is through knowledge. You can, you can understand things. So you, I know that if I turn a faucet on, water comes out. And I know that things travel through a hose. So if I connect the hose to a faucet and I turn the faucet on, water will come out the end. I have faith. I'm certain that it's going to happen. Another way, this is with people, is having a relationship. Is having a relationship with that person where they, where you, you, and it's a combination. You have knowledge of them, you have experience with them, and you, you have faith in them. We have faith that when we blow air into a balloon, it's going to fill up. We have faith that when we turn a hose on, the water will come out. We have faith that when we pray for our friends to get better, that they'll get better. We have, you guys have faith that your parents are going to give you breakfast and lunch and dinner, and they're going to make sure you have clothes and a place to sleep. We have faith that God is who he says he is, and we have faith that God will do what he says he will do. Now, the Bible talks a lot about faith. And there's a, there's a guy who's very famous for talking about faith. His name's Paul. And he has two Bible verses that I'm going to read to you about faith. The first one, Paul says, now faith is confidence. Now this is faith in God. Faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we cannot see. He also says, we walk by faith and not by sight. You can't see God. Sometimes we can't see what his plans are for us. Sometimes we don't know what he's going to do. We walk with God by faith and not by sight. But what if we could see clearly? What if we could walk by sight and not by faith? What if we could see God? Let me show you something. Push. Keep going. All right, it's up. You see that? Let's do it one more time. All right. Go for one. All right, that's good. That's pretty amazing, isn't it? Your faith has become sight. I added fog to the air, and you could see that there was an air vortex spinning through the air, and you could realize that what I was saying was true. Boys and girls, there is going to be a time very soon when your faith is going to be made sight, when Jesus comes to take us home. Thank you for being such good listeners. You can go back to your seats. Amazing, eh? That was pretty nice. I enjoyed that very, very much. I felt like a kid over here, being in the front row over here to see and experience all that today. There's another way in which we all can participate at this time, and it's through our tithe and offering. We have the opportunity to do so by giving online, but also we have our deacons and deaconess that are here ready to collect the offerings that we have that we have brought before the Lord. 
Today, we are making a special emphasis on helping our North American division. So if you wish to place any special offering for that, I'm going to ask you to put it in the envelope and mark it for the North American division. All other loose offering will remain in our church so that we can use it for our church budget, which we need. So I invite you to give with a cheerful heart today. And I'm going to ask the deacons and deaconess to stand up, and we're going to say a prayer, asking God to bless the offerings that are going to be given to Him and that which remains in our pockets today. Thank you, God, for every blessing that we receive from you. We're grateful because, Lord, you pour upon us many blessings each and every one of our days. And today we come to return from, from, to you what we have received from you. So, Lord, as we give today, I pray that you please consider it an act of worship because we want to bless others and bless you with our returns, but at the same time bless ourselves as we are faithful to you. Lord, I, pl- I pray that you please bless every cent and money that we have in our pockets, in our pocketbooks, in our bank accounts. But I also pray, Lord, that you please help us to always have a faithful, giving heart, because that's what you do for us. So we pray that you please continue to bless us so we can be a blessing. And this I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Before I spoke a word, you were singing over me. You have been so, so good to me. Before I took a breath, you breathed your life in me. You have been so, so kind to me. been so, so kind to me. 
no shadow you won't light up, mountain you won't climb up, you're coming after me. There's no wall you won't kick down, I you won't tear down, you're coming after me. the message from Pastor Brian. We just, we want to get ready, right? We want to be in the right place to receive whatever message it is the Spirit has for us individually, uniquely, because we're special. And so we just ask that you meditate on this song. Ask the Holy Spirit to come in. Ask Jesus to fill your heart. Ask him to show you direction with whatever challenge it is that you're facing. But let it all down and sing with us. Still you 
Thank you, worship team. We've been blessed today, amen? I pray you've had a great week. This has been the first week of school for many of us. How many of, of our young people are excited to be back in school? Oh, there's a couple hands. Hey, how many parents are excited their kids are back in school? Yes, many more hands up now. <laughs> Double hands, yes, I see that. So, life's feeling a little bit back to normal, although we're going through some crazy times still. But even amidst this, God is always good, amen? God is always, always good. Thank you, praise team, for reminding us of God's goodness, of his grace, and that he is present here. And it's all about God. It's all about Jesus. That's why we're here. We're here to worship. No matter what part of the service we're in, it's all about bringing our praises and surrendering our hearts to the Lord. Let's bow for a word of prayer as we spend some time today sharing and worshiping through the word of God. Your gracious Heavenly Father, it is good to be here today. We are here because of you. We're not here just to gather, to talk, to discuss, not even to learn. We are here to worship. We are here, Father, to glorify your name in every aspect 
through song, through prayer and praise, through your word. And Lord, we are just here to be edified through the worship as your heart is being touched. So Lord, transform us in this process, in this time together. Lord and Father, may indeed this worship be acceptable to you. We thank you, Lord. Speak through me today, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Derek Redmond was a tragic hero in the 1988 Olympics. Derek had fallen out of the race. He was a British Olympiad. He was a sprinter. And 90 seconds before he was to start in that 1988 heat, he pulled his hamstring and couldn't compete. Well, 1992 comes four years later. Derek had had five different surgeries to repair his hamstring. And he was back, and he was looking good. He was in relatively good health, even despite all the surgeries. And he runs the first heat, and he had the fastest time. Lady Luck was now on his side. Everyone was was celebrating that he was back, and he was ready to win. But a mere 250 meters from the finish of the final, guess what happens? He re-injures his hamstring, tears it. Not just pulls it, but he tears his hammy. And he tumbles to the ground. He can't continue. How many of us have come here today feeling like we've been on this algorithm of life where, where things are going well for a time, then we just take this big drop, we have a crisis, a tragedy, things aren't looking good anymore, then we come back up a little bit, and once we think things are fine, boom, we go down again. Many times we're in this cycle that just seems to keep repeating itself. We've been talking about the seven secrets to finish the Olympiad of the Ages. Last week we talked about the one thing that keeps us out of the race, which is that we give out. We give out because we, in the waiting, in the time that we feel like there's a delay, we lose energy, we lose hope. And so we give out. Our text that we've been reading is Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1. Let's read it together again. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 1 and 2. It says, Therefore, we also, since we are surrounded... By such, such a great cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and has sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Secret number one that we learned last week, to not drop out of the race to not give out is to don't quit, to put our hope in Jesus, that he's the only one that can see us through the time of waiting. Remember, we talked about this, this word patience. This word, run with patience, the race is hupomone, which signifies a patient endurance. Last week, we talked about patience in the delay or the apparent delay. And so today, we continue with a second part, an implication of that word, which is the endurance part. Endurance talks about difficulty. Patience is about delay. What do we do in this race that we're on called life when we face difficulty? When the difficulties seem to mount up time and time again, maybe compiling on top of each other, how do we move forward? 
Secret number two, secret number one was don't quit. But the second reason that we, that we give up in the race is that we simply, we give up. First of all, we give out. But when difficulty comes, then we just give up. Maybe when you were in school, you had some hard classes, and, and maybe students today, you already are thinking about your classes this year. And you're thinking, when you're doing your homework and you don't get it, you just feel like throwing the book aside, throwing the papers away, and giving up. I got to admit, over the pandemic, when I became kind of a teacher myself, and parents, you know what I'm talking about? I had to kind of relearn some math. And there are times I wanted to give up. This common core thing is not like I remember. It's not how I learned math. Praise God for Google. Once in a while you had the same problem on there. I was praying, Lord, please have the same problem someone else did. And you look it up, and once in a while, oh, it was nice. The same problem and the same answer. Of course, you had to help your student work through it. You didn't want to just give them the answer. But sometimes we just want to give up because life gets hard. You may have come today facing something hard in your life. And you're not quite sure if you're going to make it through today, let alone next week or next month or even this year. And if you're not, we can anticipate something hard will probably come up. As we look at Hebrews, notice it says, let us run the race with perseverance, with patience, that patient endurance that is marked before us. Later on in verse 2, it connects it with Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, And it says, for the joy who was set before him endured again the cross. That word endured is connected. It connects us with Jesus. And so that same idea of endurance is something that we face, but it's connected with the endurance of Jesus. And that is where our hope lies. Because Jesus endured the cross, we can endure our current circumstance. And it may not seem clear, but I pray by the end of our time today that it will. John chapter 16, 33, and let's just be real today. Even Jesus said that life was not going to be easy. Sometimes we think life should be all, all pretty and, and happy, and that things are always going to go well, but we should know better because Jesus said in John chapter 16, verse 33, he says, I have told you these things that in me, and here's the secret, in me, remember in Jesus, you might have peace. Our only peace comes through Jesus, amen? Nowhere else. But he preambles it with this because the next next words are compelling. He's very straight. He's very real. Jesus doesn't pull any punches. He goes, listen, in this world, as my followers, you're going to face trouble. You're going to face tribulation. Don't expect life to be easy. In other words, Jesus guarantees that life is going to have hardships. Life is going to get hard. Is is it clear? Is Jesus telling stories? No. He's up front. He's saying life is going to get hard. It's not going to be easy. Just because you're my follower does not mean life is always going to be a bed of roses. I I was reminded of uh, one of the recent reiterations of of the Rocky franchise. Um, And it was one of the newer ones when he's older. And I remember in one, in one section, he's talking to his son, and he goes, he goes, yo, the world ain't sunshine and rainbows. I'm trying. <laughs> but, but in this motivation to his son, he says, hey, life, life is hard, he says. And then he goes, it's not about how hard you can hit. 
It's about hard, how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. <laughs> Thank you. But then he said something. He goes, you got to keep moving forward because that's how winners do it. That's how winning is done. Unfortunately, life is not a Rocky movie. Life hits us hard, and there's times when it keeps hitting us, and we can't move forward. We feel like we don't have the strength. Yeah, it's not, and Jesus said life is not sunshine and rainbows, but it hits us hard. And sometimes we question if we can move forward. Just like there is a winner in all of us in Christ that can move forward in him, there is also, apart from Christ, a quitter in all of us that's ready to give up, to throw in the towel at every single difficulty that strikes us in our life. There's that constant tension, that constant battle going on within us. It was six months after the Declaration of Independence was signed. And you'd think after that was signed, things were great in the the revolution. But unfortunately, things got really bad. If you remember history at all, some of the most difficult parts of the war were that winter after it was signed. As a matter of fact, the war was all but lost at that point in December of 1776. The Americans were routed by a strong British force in New York. They were forced to retreat back into Pennsylvania. And strong forces were pressing on various sides of the Continental Army. And one more defeat, if they were to attack the revolution would have been lost right then and there. They had retaken three of our colonies. And now there was a sizable force of Hessian troops, which were their special forces, ready to finish the job. All was lost. Winter was coming. Our troops were discouraged. But General Washington said we're not going to just stay retreating. He took a different stand. He said we're going to actually go on the offensive. We're going to attack. And you've seen the famous picture of General Washington in the boat going across the Delaware River. That's, that, this is when that happened. They're crossing the frozen Delaware River, not in a retreat, but off to attack the superior army, outnumbered. They're going to attack. He splits his, his small decimated army in three parts, and they move out. In the dead of winter, in the cold, in the icy sleet, they move forward for the attack. But it's within this context, and I read this to our board this past Monday, that we find the words of our, one of our founding fathers, Thomas Paine, December 23rd, two days before General Washington was about to go forward with the counterattack, which would have, if not successful, ended the war right then and there. And here's what Thomas Paine says, right in the midst of the situation. He says, these are the times that try men's souls. He says, the summer soldier and the sunshine patriot, kind of sounds like Rocky, the summer soldier and the sunshine patriot will in the crisis shrink from the service of their country. Many times we feel like the sunshine soldier and the summer patriot. Because when things are going well, our faith is strong. But when things get difficult, it's hard for that faith to keep going on. 
And many of us are facing the winter. We're facing outnumbered odds in our life. And so the question remains, how do we stay in the race? How do we endure? Despite the difficulty, not apart from difficulty, but despite because we're all going to face it. If you're not facing it now, you will. Or you already have, and you're still reeling from the previous one. How do we move forward with enduring our circumstance? Philippians chapter 3, verse 13. This is Paul speaking. And once again, Paul is using the language and the imagery of a race, of a sporting event. He says, brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended But one thing I do, he says, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward to the things which are ahead, I press, what? He says, I press forward to the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Jesus Christ. He says, I don't focus, I forget about the things that are behind, but instead I look forward. One key to staying in the race, to endure, is that we have to be forward-focused. Does that mean we forget about the past, we sweep into the rug, we ignore anything ever happened? Of course not. We're told in the spirit of prophecy, it's by remembering God's leading in our past that we have strength for the present and hope for the future. Never forget the Ebenezer's where God has stepped in and in real time in your life made a difference, has been your rock of hope. Never forget those times. And don't sweep the bad times under the rug and pretend they never happened. We don't ignore the bad times, but Paul says the focus must be forward. Forgetting what's behind, because we focus on the past, we will never, ever see what's before us. I've said this before, but I'm going to remind us again. There's a reason why in our cars the windshield is much bigger than the rearview mirror and the side mirrors. Why do you think that is? Because if we put all of our focus on a large mirror to look backwards, we'd never, ever be able to move forward. We have a small view of the past. Don't forget it. Recognize it. Admit what's happened. But may the bigger picture be the future that God has for us. Don't live in the past and dwell in the past, but look to the glorious future that God has in store for us. Secret number two, endure the pain. Press on. And how do we press on? We look forward to what God has in store. He has good plans for us. He promises plans to prosper for a future and hope. Does that mean there's no problems and difficulties? Of course not. What did it say? In this world, you will have tribulation. Jesus promised. Let's be real. But we press on. We move forward looking ahead, focusing on Jesus. James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. James, the brother of Jesus, says this, my brethren, count it all joy. And I have a hard time with this verse, by the way, because it goes against every instinct in our, in our humanness. You know, the, 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 the levels of, of our basic needs, our hierarchy of needs, this just goes against everything that hierarchy of needs tells us about comfort and provision, all these things that we say we, we need to survive and to function health in a healthy way. But instead... James says, count it all joy when you fall into trials, when you're dealing with stuff that goes against your basic needs at times. 
knowing that the testing of your faith produces what? Patience. Patient endurance. Something's happening in our life when we're facing difficulties. But let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. James isn't talking about here a point that's to be reached. It's talking about maturity, that we are maturing in Jesus. There's something that trials do that nothing else will in the Christian life. It will cause a growth and maturity that nothing else can accomplish. As hard as that is to hear, as much as we don't want to admit it or think about it, the Bible says there's no other way. So spiritually, there are circumstances where there is no pain, there will be no gain in your spiritual life. There are aspects of your spiritual walk that unless there's pain and difficulty, you will have no gain in that area of your life. And God is more interested in forming your character than changing your circumstances. That's the hard part. That's hard. It's a hard pill to swallow. In the spirit of prophecy, in the Thoughts from the Mount of Blessing, page 10, it says, when he permits trials and afflictions, it is for our profit that we might be partakers of his holiness. In other words, transformed, growing, and maturing. If received in faith, the trial that seems so bitter and hard to bear will prove a blessing. The cruel blow that blights the joys of earth will, will be the means of turning our eyes to heaven. How many there are who would never have known Jesus had not sorrow led them to seek comfort in him. There is something that difficulty does and our response has everything to do with it, whether it drives us to him or drives us away. God's plan is it drives us to him. And there's certain circumstances where God is willing to take the risk in our lives that we might move away. But he knows that it's the only way to get our hearts towards him and so he's willing to take the risk in our lives that we might go away or we might come to him. And so he allows it to draw our hearts to him. Now, now let's be clear. Just like in the book of Job, it's Satan's the one who's always trying to wreak havoc in our lives. But the, prob- the, the, the fact of the matter is in the Bible it says that all things work to the good of those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose. So no matter what this devil does, no matter what he throws at us, God can use it for the good. The Greek word for race, by the way, here in the New Testament, is agon. The very term that is used for this word race is the root of our word agony or agonize. So this race in and of itself, life itself, is going to be marked by agony. There'll be an agonizing process to move towards and through. About five years ago, I had my first exposure to a longer distance bike ride. I lived in Port Charlotte, and a lot of the uh, individuals from our church rode bikes on Sunday morning, and they had these cool bikes, carbon fiber, and, uh, and light and fast, and I was like, man, those are cool. Maybe I want to get into this. And so I go and do some research. I, I get a bike. It wasn't quite as nice as theirs, but it was decent. And they said, Brian, we want you to come out on a bike ride with us. I said, how far are you guys going? They said, about, about 40 miles. Said, what? 40 miles? Man, I, and, and mind you, the, the, the longest I ever rode was probably about seven or eight miles, maybe on a, on a comfort bike or a mountain bike somewhere as a kid. I was like, well, all right. 
So I said, I'll be out. So a week later, my bike's ready, and I come out of, of the bedroom, and, and Miriam looks at me, she goes, what are you wearing? I said, well, I've got my bike outfit on. So, so I felt if I was going to ride with these guys who were all like up there, I had to at least look the part. So I bought this biking, the biking outfit, the tight pants, and the, the bib. Miriam goes, you look ridiculous. <laughs> I even had the hat and the, the, the crazy sunglasses for bike riding. You know, here's the thing with bike riding. You don't have to be skilled or experienced to look the part. <laughs> you, you can look the part like an elite athlete like Russell here, but you don't even have to be an elite athlete. And so we, we get there, just fast forward, we, we start the ride, and it wasn't like I was expecting. I had this bike that was fairly light, it was fairly fast, I thought I'd be doing fine. But about five miles into the ride, I realized that things were not fine. As a matter of fact, about not even a mile into the ride, I had my feet clicked into these pedals with these special shoes, and I hadn't practiced, and so I get to a, I was slowing down to an intersection, and I didn't think about doing both things once, unclicking my feet, and so, boom, I hit to the side, and wanting to protect my new investment, my body took the full brunt of it. And I was all scraped up, I was bleeding. The guys, are you okay? They were kind of laughing and, and concerned at the same time. I was like, I'm, I'm fine. So we, we kept riding. So I was, I was stinging pain in my arms and my leg. I was, I was hurting. But not just that, my posterior was really hurting at this point. Those bike seats are brutal. Don't let anyone tell you that, that they're specially designed to just place in your, your bones here. They hurt. What happens is you just become numb. That's, that's the thing. And so I was, I was in pain. 10 miles in, 20, 15 miles. I don't know how I was even going forward. I was, I was not just hurting with the stinging, but my, my legs were killing me. Everything was hurting. And I felt like I couldn't go on. And many times I wanted to call Miriam and say, Miriam, just come pick me up. But my pride wouldn't let me. You know, many people who've run in marathons or long-distance things have experienced something called the wall. How many of you have heard or experienced the wall? Some of you who've run a marathon know what I'm talking about. The wall is, is not just a, a phys, it's not a physical barrier that comes up when we're in a long distance race, but it is something that's very real in the body that we experience. Hitting the wall at its core it just could be aptly called a glycogen depletion onset in our body. What's glycogen? Glycogen is basically a variety of glucose in the body that stores and produces energy. It's like the fuel for the engine of our body. And so what happens is once that's depleted, our body's in trouble. Our body stores about 2,000 calories of this at any given time. And what happens is when you're running a marathon, let's just say, your body is burning about 100 calories of this per mile. And so you're losing about 100 calories of glycogen every mile. And so bar none, Time and time again, about mile 20, if you've hit this, is where almost every athlete hits the wall. Because at mile 20, your body is now depleted of the 2,000 calories of glycogen. And what happens? Your legs feel heavy. Your mind is getting numb. It's, it's distracted. You're feeling tired. You're feeling pain. You're feeling every little nuance of discomfort. And you've actually lost hope because your mind actually is, is, is encouraged by this substance. And when it goes, even your mind starts telling you not to go on. So it's a physical and a mental exhaustion and pain. And many at this point drop out of the race. 20 miles into the 27, they drop out. So close to the finish. But if we can press through... We'll make it. 
it goes away. But that part of hitting the wall is the most difficult part. Jesus tells us, as we follow him, in tune with his idea, life is not always going to be easy. He says, to take up your cross daily and follow me. Just that, just that note in and of itself tells us that life involves self-denial, but also that bearing the cross means that we will also suffer different ways in our life. Self-denial and sometimes even physically. It all has to do with taking up that cross daily, surrendering to God and moving forward with him. Many of you have come today hitting the wall. You're depleted. Your energy, your courage, your strength, and your hope is gone. But I want to assure you, if you would just trust the words of the coach today, focus your eyes on Jesus, you can break through that wall. No matter what you're facing, it may, you may be ready to give up. Maybe you've already given up. That's okay. You can get back in the race. Jesus has not given up on you. You may have hit the wall. You may have dropped out. But look to Jesus, and he will get you back in the race. He'll break that wall. He'll give you strength to move forward, to press on. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 through 40, is one that I think we need to reflect on to understand how to move forward and how to endure, how to press on. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 32 says, and what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon. This is the the hall of faith. I mentioned this last week. And Barak and Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms. Remember, this is the, the faith chapter. And through faith they subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions like Daniel, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies of the aliens. Women received their dead, raised to life again, and others were tortured. And let's just pause there. And so what we see here is that by faith we see victories being won time and time again. By faith, all these individuals were victorious. They broke through. But sometimes we stop there. Because in verse 36, everything changes. All these other ones were victorious here in this life. But verse 36 says, still or yet others had trial of mockings and scourgings. Yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn in two, they were tempted, they were slain by the sword. They wandered about in sheepskins and goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, and tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and in caves of the earth. And so we look at this and we say, what gives here? Were the first group a group that had more faith than the second group? Because that's kind of what we say sometimes. If you have enough faith, you'll always be victorious. You'll always gain the victory. God will always come through if you just believe, if you just have enough faith. What about the second group? Was their faith any less than the first group? Those who ended up dying, being tortured, being imprisoned? Apparently not. Because the next verse says that all these having obtained a good testimony through faith. Their faith was no less it was just as strong and maybe even stronger. What am I saying? 
in order to move forward to endure, we have to have two kinds of faith. Not just faith to triumph, but also faith to endure. Because sometimes life calls us to endure. When in this life it doesn't look like things are triumphant. But there's one word of hope I want to close with, and it's, it's with the bedtime story that we, that we have heard a thousand times. One of my favorites. It's about the story of three Hebrew youth who were taken to Babylon. And they went along with, with Daniel, their friend. It was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Hananiah, Azariah, Mishael were their Hebrew names. And they get to Babylon with Daniel. And they're given, given Babylonian names. They were tried to be, they were tried to, to been encultured into that culture. But these four Hebrew youth continually reject the ways of Babylon. They continually keep their eyes focused on God and do not forget the God of their youth. And they stand firm time and time again. And so Daniel chapter 2, there's the vision of the statue describing earth's history towards the very end until Jesus sets up his kingdom. And then chapter 3 follows, which is a narrative of King Nebuchadnezzar making this statue of pure gold, symbolizing the head of gold, which was his kingdom. And now he said, well, I, I believe this. I'm humbled at the, at the dream, but my kingdom is great. It will stand forever. I'm not going anywhere. So he builds this, high, this tall statue, and he brings all of, his, all of his royal family, all of the leaders in his whole kingdom to come and worship the image symbolizing him. It was simply really to worship the king. And so, you know the story. They, they all gather, gather together in the plane. The music plays, the trumpets blow. Everybody bows down except, you guessed it, the three Hebrew youth. Daniel must have been on a business trip somewhere. He wasn't there. It was Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And someone calls the attention of these three men to King Nebuchadnezzar, and they say, do you notice these three guys out here, these three Hebrews are not bowing down as you've commanded? And so Nebuchadnezzar must have liked these guys because he gives them another chance. He goes, listen, guys, I'm going to give you one more chance. This time, when I play the music, you need to bow down. If you do not, you'll be thrown into the fiery furnace that's prepared for those who do not bow down to this image. And the words of the Hebrews are the words I want us to focus on today. Daniel chapter 3. You can turn there with me if you'd like to follow along. Verse 17, or actually verse 16, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. They had the faith to triumph, that's obvious. They had faith in God that God could deliver them, and they believed he would. But notice verse 18, it says, but if not, did you catch that? But if God were not to deliver us, if we were to go in there and die and burn up in an instant, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your God, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Friends, we all need an if not clause in our faith. We believe that God can deliver, and many times he does, but there are times where in this life he may not deliver as we expect. But we must have faith to endure, and that faith only comes through Jesus. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Because what happens? They throw them in the furnace. The, the guys who threw them in died because of the intense heat after being heated seven times hotter than usual. 
And when Nebuchadnezzar looks in the fire, what's he see? You know the story. He says, I thought we threw three guys in the fire. No, but there's four, and the fourth looks like the Son of God. It was Jesus in the fire with the three Hebrew youth. Friends, keep your eyes on Jesus because he's with you in the fire, even if it's burning. He is with you. He doesn't leave you. He is there with us through the difficulty, through the trial. It is the only way we can get through. Pressing on is not something we do by ourselves. Jesus says we can move forward, but only with him. Apart from him, there is no way. It is impossible. That's why in Revelation chapter 7, Revelation chapter 7, verse 9 through 10, It says, after these things I looked and behold a great multitude which no one could number of all nations, tribes, and peoples, tongues and languages, standing before the throne before the Lamb, clothed with white robes, with palm branches in their hands, and crying with a loud voice saying, salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. Verse 13 and 14 say, then one of the elders answered saying to me, who are these arrayed in white robes? And where did they come from? And I said to him, sir, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones who came out of the great tribulation and washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. Notice the connection here. These are those who come through the great tribulation. Great tribulation, great rejoicing. Why? Because it was only Jesus who got them through. It was the blood of the Lamb. Another place in Revelation says, they overcame by the blood of the Lamb and the word of their testimony. It is only through Jesus that we overcome. Alone we can do nothing. Great suffering, great rejoicing. Friends, we're nearing a time, just like the three Hebrew youth in Daniel, where we will be tried. If we are alive when, when Jesus comes, and there's just a few, a few parallels I want to share with you today. At that time, in Revelation 13 and 14, it's a parallel to Daniel chapter 3. Even though it's a narrative, it's very similar. In Revelation 13 and 14, Babylon, spiritual Babylon, will be ruling the world, will be driving the agenda. Another parallel is that the king of Babylon creates an image to himself to honor himself and commands all to worship. And the penalty for refusal is pain of death. All the world bows down to the image that is set up in Revelation 13 and 14, except a small group. And the reasons are the same. Radical endurance and obedience to Jesus. Blamed by Babylon, they are thrown to their death, but the Son of God delivers them. That is the picture that Revelation paints. Great tribulation, great rejoicing. Well, I made it to about mile 30-something. <laughs> By that point, I think my posterior was just to the point of almost being numb. That's that really painful point right before you lose feeling. And I was saying, I'm so close. I got, I got to keep, gotta keep going. And so we divide. I was close to my house, about two miles away. I didn't know if I could make it. I was, I was just in pain. I was, I was hurting. And so we divided. I was kind of on my own. And things started looking familiar because we're going through all these neighborhoods I'd never seen before. And finally, we were at a place that I knew. And so there I was, driving. And so many times, even those two miles, I was tempted to call Mirror Mirror. I I need help. Come pick me up. But every single turn, I was like, no, no. 
I know this street. I pass it every day. Home is just around the corner. I got to keep going. One mile. And finally, after two miles, home's in sight. Friends, I want to share with you, no matter what we're going through today, you may be hitting the wall, you may be facing something unimaginable in relationships, at work, maybe in your health. But remember, home is just around the corner. But not just that. Home is not a place, it is a person. God, through Jesus Christ, is our home. He's always just around the corner. He's not just ahead of us, he's also with us. He never leaves us. He's with us in the fire. He's just ahead, always spurring us on to move forward to him. When we're facing difficulty, home is just around the corner. When everything seems like it's falling apart in your life, remember, home is just around the corner. Don't give up. Press on. When all seems lost and you're at the final straw, don't give up. Press on. Home is just around the corner. Jesus is there, calling you forward, with you by your side, lifting you up with his hands, bearing you up, hovering over you. He is with you every place, every step, and he won't leave. Press on. Home is just around the corner.
Derek Redman was on the ground, torn hamstring again. But as he's there on the ground, he somehow picks himself up and he continues to move forward towards the finish line. About this time, there's a commotion in the crowd. There's a figure jumping out through the, through the stands, past security, and running towards Derek. And this figure comes and runs closer and closer and comes to Derek and hugs him and wraps his arms around him, and it was none other but Derek's father. And so together his father bolsters him up, and together they walk forward, and he crosses the finish line, hobbling with a torn leg. Jesus said in John chapter 16, 33, in this world you have tribulation. There's going to be pulled and torn hamstrings. There's going to be all sorts of things that happen to us. But he says, be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. Jesus has overcome. Because he has overcome, we can overcome. Why? Because he is with us in the race. He lifts us up. He bolsters us when we cannot move forward. We finish with him. We don't run alone. He is always there. Don't run alone. Let Jesus run with you. Dear gracious Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you that we don't run this race alone. We've all recognized in this life that we do have tribulation. Things are hard. Things are rough. And for some of us, it feels like it's beyond measure, that there's no light at the end of the tunnel. There's no hope. But Father, we're reminded that home is just around the corner. You are always just around the corner. And you're always with us to give us strength, to be with us, to encourage us, to cheer us on. And Father, may we never forget that it's in Christ's strength that we can move forward. It's in his strength that we have hope. It's in the cross of Calvary, 
through his victory that we too have victory. We overcome by nothing else but the blood of the Lamb, now and forever. And so, Father, we look to you, we trust you, and we surrender our hearts to you. In the midst of the struggle, in the midst of the the situation we're in, we surrender it to you because we can't handle it ourselves. We need you to take over, to strengthen us, that we can press on. And we thank you for what you're doing right now in each situation here, what you're going to do. And Father, the ultimate prize that we have in Jesus, which is to be with you forever. And we thank you. We ask this all in Jesus' powerful and precious name. Amen. God bless you. Just as a reminder, we have elders who will be up here in the front to pray with you. If you have any special prayer needs, come forward to the front. There will be an elder to pray with you for those special needs. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you next Sabbath.